All right, Collateral Banter, episode 49. I'm your host, Danny T. I'm recording on Thursday, December 19th. Donald Trump has been impeached. I don't think the impeachment is going to result in a conviction in the Senate. I just don't see 20 senators abandoning the Republican base and voting with the Democrats to remove Donald Trump even if the Supreme Court decides to release the tax returns and other materials, unless there's something so outrageous that would compel them to support impeachment. I just still don't see it. I I think even if there was something egregious, I think Donald Trump is would demand loyalty from Republicans, and I just don't see anything that would cause them to abandon him at this point. Dude, that'd be so damning. I, I just don't buy it. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I've, I've been wrong many times. But interestingly, I don't want to talk about impeachment, despite the fact that it's probably the most unpopular topic happening right now. I want to go beyond impeachment and actually talk about a story that was published in the Washington Post. The title of it is At War with the Truth. Washington Post article by Craig Whitlock was published 10 days ago, December 9th, and people are calling it the Afghan Papers. In 2008, Congress created this group called the Special Inspector General for Afghanistan Reconstruction, which dealt with uh, fraud, abuse, and waste in the war and attempts to control that for Afghanistan. The Washington Post figured out that this group had done a set of interviews, 30 interviews between 2014 and 2018 with Obama and Bush officials about Afghanistan, what really happened, what did we learn, what what's, what were some of the mistakes that were made. It was a deep dive into Afghanistan. It got some buzz online. I don't know how viral. I would love to learn that if somebody wanted to send that to me some article about how popular it was my email is collateralbanter at gmail.com or collateralbanterprotonmail.com i check both but let's see here is what the report detailed so again this comes from interviews with former bush and obama officials about what was really happening in afghanistan and uh, the interviews were conducted in a four-year period 2014 2018 I think the the first thing I wanted to say was that the mission that the officials initially stated was that we had to go in Afghanistan to stop Al-Qaeda. And this was right after 9-11. But over time, and I don't know how many times this has happened in history, in U.S. history, you go into a place and then... It isn't just about eradicating Al-Qaeda. It then becomes what they call mission creep. They began to look at a bunch of different things and say, hey, we could do this, we can do this, and we can do that. Isn't that great? So there were some people who wanted to turn Afghanistan into a democracy, other people who wanted to transform the culture and fight for women's rights, and, and other people saw the invasion of Afghanistan as changing the power dynamics of the region. When you don't know your mission, how do you then know why you're there, right? If you don't have an objective, how can you achieve it without an objective? How can you achieve anything without knowing what the objective, what the goal is? And I think that that's that I uh, struggle with because it's a war 
Against what? Against who? You, it no longer is clear. So at, at this point, give you one example of how unclear this war is. The fight in Afghanistan wasn't just against al-Qaeda, the Taliban, but sections of the Pakistan military and intelligence. They're collaborating with each other. Thing is with Pakistan, it's also allied with America. So you have this really complicated dynamic of how far do you push your own allies to take on your enemies? And your enemies are actually allied with some elements of the Pakistan intelligence. I don't know what to say about that, except that is the reality that you have. And I, you know, abandoning your ally is only going to push them closer to your enemy. Throwing lots and lots of money at your ally might get them on your side as long as the money's flowing. But there were a couple of things that I wanted to talk about as well. This is all from the article that I mentioned by the Washington Post at War with the Truth. I got to post a link to it because I think it's just a phenomenal article. I read 33 pages. <laughs> that's how it came out. I don't think it was actually 33 pages, but when I printed it, that's what I got. Just so people know, so it started in 2001, and so it's been 18 years. America has spent $1 trillion total, adjusted for inflation. Of that, $133 billion was spent to rebuild Afghanistan when adjusting for inflation. That amount, adjusted for inflation, is more than, than what the U.S. spent during World War II to rebuild all of Western Europe. So that gives you an idea of how much money was spent, but I, I'm going to get to those details later. One of the problems that people found about this rebuilding is that, and this was more during the Obama administration, but that people wanted to speed up reconstruction. They wanted to spend an additional amount of money to speed up projects for people, right? If you could build more roads, schools, power plants, and these things, and then you could gain the hearts and the minds of the people and everything would be better as long as you push the system. Well, given that there's no real central government for many, many decades now, this ended up creating massive amounts of graft, abuse, corruption in the country. And this corruption was so pervasive that the institutions of the country became even more corrupt than they were previously, which was already a high rate of corruption. So people, when they had to deal with the government, they had to deal with the police, judges, bureaucrats, and these things, they had to pay bribes to move the, the process forward. Well, of course, when people don't have money to pay those bribes or to push the institutions of the country to do the right thing, then people get frustrated with government. So Spending lots of money really quickly in a very broken government system just reinforced corruption and caused people to join the enemies of the government, right? It became a corrupt oligarchy in Afghanistan, and people hated it because it was so inefficient and corrupt. And so that's, that's such an interesting side effect of excessive rebuilding, Spend lots of money in a short period of time, and what's the end result? You're worse off. I thought this was one of the standout things that I learned in the article. One person from USAID during their interview said that people were told to spend $3 million per day in what they call an Afghan district. 
which is essentially the average size of a county in America. So maybe it has 80, 120,000 people in the county. And they were told to spend $3 million per day. I, I, when I read that, I was like, what? what? I can't even believe that. $3 million? $3 million in one day. At, at that point, you couldn't have just taken the $3 million and just given it to people. Just said a million dollars. Okay, this village is getting, everybody's getting two, three thousand dollars know, $3,000. I don't even know at that point. Um, of course, they were meant for projects, but it was just so bad. It's so corrupt. I don't know what to say. It's so pervasive. Here's the real question is, why didn't America spend even a fraction of that money rebuilding America? So, I mean, that's really the core of it. You know, so many places here need to rebuild their infrastructure. And you're spending $3 million a day in an Afghan district. This isn't $3 million a day in the country. This is in one Afghan district. <laughs> this is incredible. And of course, the accountability is really low because who's really investigating this sort of spending and abuse that's going on over there? So I've been talking about corruption and spending excessive amounts of money. Well, in one area that they that corruption really destroyed an institution was <laughs> soldiers. Many people interviewed, and again, these are generals, these are State Department officials, they're military officials. A range of people were interviewed during this uh, special project. So this is one of the complaints is that the Afghan military that the U.S. was was rebuilding was full of people who are unmotivated, pocketing money to pay soldiers. So this must have been some higher up officials who were given the task to pay people. They weren't paying the soldiers. They were pocketing the money. One person interviewed said a third of the police recruits were drug addicts or the Taliban. So, so here you have people not paying their soldiers. So there were ghost soldiers. They were literally paying either their families or their friends. So they were pocketing the money. And then other times, at least a third of the people who became the police were <laughs> Taliban themselves. So America is spending lots of money in a short period of time. And actually the money is going to the Taliban, well, partially to the Taliban or, or people who are the Taliban who infiltrate these institutions. So you're financing the enemy to then go off and go kill soldiers. I mean, it's that level, the lack of, of control and spending is, is terrifying. And I'll give you an example of, again, how spending a significant amount of money didn't prove effective. In a U.S. was fighting for opium, so they spent $9 billion. So initially, the United States, with its allies, were paying farmers to stop growing opium, and they would pay them, okay? But what happened is next season, farmers understood, well, you're paying me for my opium, so I'm going to grow more opium. Hopefully, you'll pay me more. Seems very logical if you ask me, right? You're going to pay me more if I grow more opium. Sure. Well, the United States didn't like that. So they then they decided to just say, we're not going to pay you and we're going to destroy your opium. It's like, oh my God, man. That's So it doesn't take a genius. I don't think you even need me to tell you what then happens when farmers aren't getting paid and you're destroying their crops. 
they are probably going to join the Taliban. I'm just throwing that out there, man. It's uh, <laughs> And you can imagine $9 billion over 18-year period to control opium. And by the way, I think in the article it had mentioned that 82% of all the opium in the world is produced in Afghanistan. It's a pretty incredible accomplishment in a short period of time to make Afghanistan the opium producer of the world. Yeah, so of course these things are happening that I've been describing, the sort of $133 billion for rebuild, more than the Marshall Plan, nine, $3 million per day in one Afghan district had to be spent. And of course, unfortunately, and I'm not here talking about the average military soldiers, I'm talking about here the bureaucrats in the military, the hierarchy, and what, and what they eventually report to their civilian bosses or to the government itself, to Rumsfeld and other officials, is that things are going great. You know, you have Panetta, who was the Obama's defense secretary, General Petraeus, other officials getting information maybe from the people below them, you know, with a bunch of statistics and data proving that Things are, are progressing well. There's a lot of good news. Thing We're making steady progress. That was it. That was the statement. There's steady progress going on. And, you know, it's surprising. It's everything I've read about Vietnam just is so eerily familiar in Afghanistan because it's all about good news and progress. Yes, things aren't going, but sort of the data there is to justify the missions that are going on making people look like, yes, you have agency and you've done all the right things and things are progressing, so we need to continue on in the mission. And unfortunately, that isn't, isn't matching reality. So those missions don't match what's really going on in the ground. And I'm not saying people just made up data. That's not the impression I got, but it's sort of you could finagle the data. You could manipulate the data to make things look better than they actually were. And and to me, you know, Michael Flynn, who joined the Trump campaign but was convicted of lying to the FBI, said, you know, it, it seems like you, you get a bunch of this data that everything is progressing, the missions are being accomplished, but, and then he, he wrote this, and I thought it was, it was one of the, the better quotes, that it still seemed like with all this positive news, how is it that America is still losing the war. Things are, are looking great and things are progressing, but in reality, like it's not working. And uh, and I thought this was this was um, a well told example of this. One of the interviews suggested that look, if the number of Afghan civilian casualties is going down, then you're winning. If it's going up, you're losing. And so, in the most recent year, according to the UN. It was a record number of civilians, 3,804 civilians killed. And so you see how the tide of the war has shifted. You know, initially after the Taliban fell, that would have been the time to go and negotiate with the Taliban because you had all the cards. You had just won the war. Obviously, for many, many years with massively corrupt governments and, and governments that have never been able to solidify control of the country 
took over and instituted a massive amount of corruption. And that corruption has just destroyed uh, any uh, stability in Afghanistan. It's caused average people who might be on your side to join the Taliban. It's, it's so chaotic. I don't know how else to describe it, but it is really worth reading. Again, what this says is that bureaucrats and bureaucracy and officials, the, the further away you get from the actual people, the actual soldiers on the ground, the people up top begin to make up things that look better so that way presidents, both Obama and Bush and other people, look like things are going well. They can sell, they can sell the war is going correctly and things are improving and that you can just change the tide and, and a lot of things are, are making improvements. And after 900, actually the official figure, I should get it, is nine, after $970 billion, I think was the official figure of how much just Afghanistan has cost. The belief here is that the Defense Department, State Department, U.S. Agency for International Development has spent or appropriated $934 and $978 billion, adjusted for inflation by a uh, professor from the Cost of War Project at Brown University. I mean, that, that is a staggering amount of money. And again, you shouldn't be surprised when you're spending $3 million in one Afghan district. I mean, that's, that's incredible. Without institutions, rules, regulations, and control, no wonder corruption has – that's a very natural outcome of the process. This is why nation building is, you know, in this fashion never works. So I wanted to share one final article that I, I had read, uh, read. This is years ago. I remember reading an article that – and I will try to post the link if I can find it – that the CIA – was giving monies of duffel bag to Hamid Karzai, who is the former president of Afghanistan's brother, and I guess he had links to drug trafficking, is also connected to drug international drug trafficking. So can you imagine the president's brother is connected to drug trafficking and the CIA is bringing duffel bags in to make sure that the corrupt officials are able to grease the wheels, let's say, of keeping themselves in power and paying off their friends and things like that. But at the same time, all of this corruption is then fueling your enemy. It's fueling your enemy, and the enemy is coming after to kill you. It's like you're shooting yourself. So you're in the cycle. So it's crazy. Um, all right, that is collateral banter. I need to go. But thank you for listening. Episode 49, collateral banter. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you.